0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Nintendo Everything Refresh, the weekly news show where we keep you up to date as to everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. I'm your host, Nick Serpa, and today we are joined by Louise Estrella. Hello everyone, glad to be back here once again. Yes, we are glad to have you, Louise, and over in the other corner we've got Nicholas Shade. Hello, hello! I'm making it sound like a boxing match, but like, (laughs) no fighting on this episode. Not, not yet. Not yet. No, not yet. (laughs) We're all friends here. (laughs) All right. Uh, this is episode 30, by the way, we hit another, uh, another number ending in zero. So that's exciting. So congrats everyone. Episode 30. Thanks to all of our listeners who have been sticking with us. Uh, like, like I always say, you know, we want to get more and more people listening to the show. You know, we're, we're a free show. We're not asking for anyone's money. All we want is to entertain you and keep you all informed. So please spread the word uh, about this podcast. We would appreciate it. All right, we've got uh, some, some pretty big news this week. Um, nothing super big from the big Nintendo, the big N themselves, but um, some interesting games uh, were shown off. We got some interesting third-party news. And uh, I just want to start just kind of out of the gate with just uh, this pretty big topic that I didn't expect to see this week. So uh, Microsoft, uh, they have been pretty public lately, kind of in the public eye, um, because they are currently attempting to buy Activision Blizzard, um, something that uh, has been contested by Sony, and so Microsoft has had to make all these public statements and release all this information, and and Phil Spencer has had a lot to say lately, um, and one of the things he said this past week was that he would love to see Call of Duty make a return to the Switch. Uh, which is pretty notable. We have not had a Call of Duty game on a Nintendo platform since the Wii U, which I think the last game we got <laughs> on there was, gosh, like Black Ops 2, or maybe maybe like a Modern Warfare game. Um, I it, think it was, it was Call of Duty been... Ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might be right. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, that was <laughs> probably about a decade ago at this point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, on one hand, I feel like it would be a no-brainer, right? I mean, this is a huge franchise, um, and I, I could see them putting something on the Switch, but at the same time, you know, the games they're putting out now are just such, you know, technical powerhouses and really demanding, and I can't even see a world where even, you know, even if we got some of the best porting companies on the Switch to to port some of these games down, I don't know how they would run, but... Um, but yeah, what's your what's your take on this, Louise? Um, is this something you'd like to see? Do you think it's actually going to happen? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm not a I'm not a huge uh, fan of FPS in general, and Call of Duty in particular. I've never been a huge fan, but as you said, you, I always found it to be a little strange how the series never came to the Switch, because. Call of Duty is one of those huge series that sells a lot of money and companies just want to put in every single console. Like, for example, FIFA is on Switch, even though it's not the the same version. Um, I think right now the only way that I can see this is working is something similar to how it happened on the Wii era. Uh, The Wii received a lot of the Call of Duty games at the time and I think it was a different company who develops a totally different game that worked specifically for the Wii. Uh, it was a different case compared to the Wii U because on the Wii U we actually received like a similar version to the other consoles because the Wii U wasn't right. uh, more powerful so I think on the Switch because I, I think all the, the fans of FPS generally usually they 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 want to see their games in 60 FPS so if they made a, a port that would not run as good as it runs on the other consoles I don't see all the major Call of Duty fans actually playing the game on Switch and also, the game is like I think nowadays is like the game that Activision pushes the graphics to the limits. It's always like a powerhouse to oh, showcase so. the capability yeah. of the console. So yeah, it's a complicated situation. But I would love to see the series on Switch. Any game that that has the possibility to come to the Switch, I think it's it's good news.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up those weird uh, Wii versions. There were also DS versions of some of the games yeah, yeah. that <laughs> yeah. were like. They called them uh, the reflex editions and they were like really scaled down i mean th- they were fundamentally like like the same game they had similar levels you know um but just very simplified takes and i don't know how well they sold but they must have sold well enough because you know they made enough versions of it. i mean the, the call of duty name i feel like no matter what format it's in it's it's gonna sell you know yeah I even agree. if the switch version can't keep up with the other consoles or um, or they have to do, you know, I don't know, maybe even a cloud version would do well. <laughs> it's not what I want to see, but I mm. mean, that Call of Duty name has, has power out there. Um, wh- one thing I, I could see happening is, um, so way back, I don't know if you guys remember, there was this little console called the PlayStation Vita. Uh, you know, not, not, a lot of, <laughs> not a lot of people picked one up.
1: <laughs> kind of the Fort Right? Yeah.
0: Even, even Sony forgot about that console. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the Vita did get actually an exclusive uh, Call of Duty game that was de- developed for that system. Now, granted, right. it was not a very good game. Uh, <laughs> it didn't, you know, win any awards for its story. And um, But the multiplayer is, is still active. There are still people playing it. So I could see some interest, you know, if, if Microsoft really did buy Activision Blizzard and all that goes through, and they really want to get something on the Switch that's going to make some money, I could see them investing in maybe making, I don't know, like a multiplayer-only Call of Duty game that features like some classic maps or something tailored for the hardware, um, I feel like would make the most sense. I don't know. What do you think, Nicholas? Mm, I just,
2: I have a hard time seeing that happen. I think, you know, like we've said, the only way this would work is, or the most likely way this would work is if they made a Call of Duty game specifically for the Switch, and I just have a hard time seeing that happen because they haven't done that for quite a few years at this point, making one specifically for Nintendo console. Right, and which makes me sad. Even, <laughs> even with all of the support that Microsoft has provided for Nintendo, like all the stuff like GoldenEye, um, Banjo-Kazooie being on N64, Cuphead, Ori, all the stuff from Microsoft that has made its way to the Switch, it's never been like a huge porting deal, right? It hasn't been something where the games have been so insanely technically advanced that uh, a porting job would be astronomically difficult at least as far as i can tell but something like call of duty either they make a brand new game for the platform which is a lot of work or they have to find a way to kind of downport the current gen versions which again would be a lot of work compared to what they've already done for the system Uh, So I just, unless they really change how they're treating Call of Duty, and I guess how they're treating the Switch in general, if they do acquire Activision Blizzard, it just kind of seems like lip service to me.
0: Yeah, I think... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Luis.
1: (laughs) No, I was just going to say that both Activision and Microsoft, the strategy that those two companies had with the Switch was basically to port the games that made a lot of sense on the Switch, like cartoonish experiences. For example, Activision, we had Spiral, Crash, even Tony Hawk, which is a more realistic, but it's still a very arcade experience. And the mm-hmm. same goes to Microsoft. Cup Cuphead, uh, Lucky Tales. So I think it's those games that they are kind of more... to the to the to the nintendo audience more similar to what nintendo fans usually consume and i see that i I think they see call of duty out of that spectrum
3: Yeah, yeah there's still
2: kind of that perspective of this game is mature dark shooter it's not for the kids platform which is definitely an outdated perspective but it's also kind of it's understandable where they would get that impression concerning the legacy even if it is something that doesn't really apply anymore
0: well, you you say that Nicholas, but you know, like Phil Spencer, like what he like this is his quote. He said, "Our our intent is to treat Call of Duty like Minecraft," mm. <laughs> so actually like directly comparing <laughs> it to a kid's game. <laughs> he says, yeah. you know, they he says, "I'd love to see the game playable on many different screens. I'd love to see it on Switch." I mean, I know that's just aspirational talk. Um, you know, it it could just be something that he's saying, given the whole legal situation, saying you know, oh, we're not trying to be anti-competitive. We want to, because that's one of the big, you know, challenges that they're facing right now with this whole transaction. Mm-hmm. They want to buy Activision Blizzard. PlayStation does not want them to do this because they're worried they're going to lose a huge chunk of their players over to Microsoft. Which I think is an understandable concern, but they're trying to make it sound like, oh, you know, this is going to cripple us or whatever. And you know, I'm not um, an expert on all that, but... Um, not believe in all I, that. I feel like, yeah, but that could be part of the reason why he's coming out and saying things like this and maybe they don't intend to do it. I don't know. If it does ever happen, I think, you know, it would be a couple years away. And <laughs> we'd probably be into a more powerful Switch hardware cycle at that point, I would oh, hope. Maybe. So maybe that That's a possibility. Ways, but... Yeah.
2: I mean, uh, the yeah. other thing is they would have to kind of lower the file sizes a bit. Because I'm not sure the current modern Call of Duty game would even fit
1: yeah. on a
2: Switch cartridge.
1: <laughs> on <a> cartridge. <laughs> that cartridge. That's yeah. a great like, point. <laughs> yeah. You would
2: need, like, what? A 256, 512 gigabyte cartridge? Which I don't think any game currently on or, Switch has that. And too close to
1: that. Gigantic uh, downloads to play the game. Which yeah, would like be. They, they would just be ship it with
0: bad. a. They just ship it with like a 500 gigabyte micro SD card <laughs> yeah. and be like, "Here's your cartridge." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, uh, here's a, a question for Nick: uh, Do you think that the Call of Duty series is still is like this? super popular series in the US? Because I think in, in the PS2, PS3 era, Call of Duty was basically the most popular franchise in the gaming world, I think. Like, everyone mm-hmm. was playing that game uh, on the online, on the single player and, and things like that. Do you still think that the the series has this strong presence that everyone knows what Call of Duty is, even, even the, the people who are not super gamers?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, it, it's a hard question to answer. I feel like when I was a kid, Call of Duty was everywhere, and it was the main game people were talking about at high school, people were always wearing shirts, you know, people would always say, oh, come over, you know, this is what we're playing tonight. Um, not to me, you know, I didn't get invited to Call of Duty, so I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I was more of a Super Mario Galaxy kind of guy anyway, but, um, but yeah, you know, I don't feel like the brand has quite the impact nowadays, now that there's just, there's so many more, more games, um. You know, people have really shifted. You know, I think the free-to-play model has kind of taken over. And I think there are a lot more casual gamers out there who are like, oh, I could play this great first-person shooter for free. Why would I go pay $70 for the new Call of Duty game? Um, But that being said, I do think the franchise still carries a lot of weight, mostly in terms of it, it really has kind of positioned itself as we are highlighting, like, the state of the art right now. Like, we are showing what technology is capable of um there really like are very few games i think in my opinion that look as good as a brand new call of duty right, release in any right, game of year. right. so yeah. i think for that reason it will always be relevant whether or not that transfers over to nintendo hardware i don't know but i'd love to see them try <laughs> yeah. yeah it's also <laughs> one of the only games
2: out there right now that kind of fills the niche of like the realistic shooter because all of the big free-to-play yeah. games—Fortnite, Apex, Valorant, whatnot—are all very much hero-based, or they're a little bit more cartoony. They have mm-hmm. like Batman fighting Rick from Rick and Morty. Um, although <laughs> technically, Call of Duty has had some weird crossovers as of late, so they could be going that direction too.
1: I think it's but Call of Duty and Battlefield, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Basically, yeah. and Battlefield um, had an interesting <laughs> <go> well. launch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Call of Duty sort of has the monopoly
0: in that market. True. 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 Yeah. I, I would love to see. I'd love to see a new Medal of Honor game. We. I feel like that franchise is kind of forgotten about, and those were some great like historical first person shooters, and maybe not the modern day. They tried the modern day thing that didn't really work out very well for them, but. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, well, time, time will tell, um, but uh, I, I personally would love to see uh, what <laughs> a Call of Duty on the Switch would look like. Um, all right, so uh, I, I hate to bring down the mood a little bit, uh, but one of the things we like to do on the show is we like to, to recognize some of the people involved in game development and, and talk about the people behind the games. Um, and we wanted to recognize someone who uh, has passed away recently. Um, she her, her name is Rieko Kadama. Um, and she worked for Sega for a very long time. Um, she passed away earlier this year in May, but it uh, was just kind of made public this past week. And um, I, I don't want to make this, this too sad. I, I Really what I want to do here is I just want to highlight some of the work she did. Um, you know, she was really notable um, in the games industry at the time because especially back in the 80s you know when she started her career, uh, there were not a lot of women in game development. You know, that's changed to some extent today. Um, but, you know, she has kind of made a, a point in her career to encourage women to get into game development. You know, she um, has been recognized as one of the first female video game artists. Um, <laughs> Nintendo Power once called her uh, the the first lady of RPGs. Um, so she's kind of been, been the face of representing, you know, women getting work in the game industry for a long time, uh, which is really important. Um, but the games she worked on also, I mean, she had a huge impact on a really wide range of Sega franchises. Um, she started off working on some, some smaller Sega projects, um, but the first game she was really known for was uh, Fantasy Star. Um, she worked on the original Fantasy Star, and uh, she was a, the lead artist on that game. Uh, she designed all the characters, the environments, um, and from there, you know, she worked on all kinds of stuff, some some real classics, including some Sonic the Hedgehog games. Um, she, I think most recently, she worked on um, her, as, in terms of like big RPGs, she worked on the seventh Dragon game that came to the 3DS. So she, she's she been a huge part of the games industry. She's been a huge part of Sega, and uh, just wanted to take a moment to, to recognize her and uh in her accomplishments,
1: the the description that you made about her car- career is perfect. Like, she has so many games uh, with her name attached, and those are really like historically impor- important games. And I never heard about her before. And now that I'm seeing uh, all the games that she worked on, I, I'm looking... A lot of them are, like, RPGs that I always wanted to play, but I never actually played. And one of them is, of course, the Fantasy Star series that I, I, I heard a lot of nice things about it. But I know that she also worked on Skies of Arcadia, which it's yes. a game that has a fantastic look. I, w- I always looked at this game and said, I want to play this someday. Uh, it was a Dream Quest game, but I think later it was ported to the to the GameCube and other consoles. And it's a game that I, I think Sega should really bring back uh, to, to, to the, the Switch or the, the actual console so people can uh, have the experience to play these games. Uh, it's fascinating to see a woman so important to the JRPG industry, to so many of those games that are that define the gen- the genre at the, at the beginning. So, yeah, I think it's uh, her work is just uh, amazing and she she'll be she'll be really missed in the industry.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it helps bring to light like these people working on games that obviously she has a following. She was known, I think, probably more so in the 90s than nowadays. But still, it's people that you don't really hear of much that put in so much work into the making the games that we have nowadays what they are into just kind of. Defining the industry as a whole in a way through their work on like huge landmark titles like the, the RPGs that we mentioned. It's yeah, it's it's funny to think about all these people that put so much effort that sadly aren't recognized until later on.
0: But right, especially considering how how big some of these games were at the time. I mean, Fantasy mm-hmm. Star was never like on a level of like a Final Fantasy franchise, but it really was a big big RPG franchise for Sega and um, you know I think was one of the one of the franchises that really um, especially when you look at like action RPGs really kinda laid a lot of groundwork for things coming later. And yeah to to your point Louise about Skies of Arcadia, I mean, she was instrumental in that game. And so, you know, that game has brought so much, you know, so many memories and, and holds, you know, a really strong place in a lot of people's heart. Um, Yeah, I I think it's really important to recognize these people. And, um, you know, it's sad that, you know, sometimes we we don't always talk about these people until they've passed away. And I I hope that changes. But, um, you know, regardless, I just, you know, I want to say, you know, to the family, you know, I doubt they're listening, but uh, we give our condolences. And um, I hope everyone, you know, is able to go back and maybe revisit some of these games that she worked on. uh, And... Take a look back at the history of game development and recognizing what she brought to the industry yeah um, all sure. right let's let's transition back into uh some games uh, we've got quite a few games to talk about this week um we did get some uh some new announcements um some updates on a few things um quite a bit to talk about we're not going to get to everything uh but, but before we get to the games uh this is kind of a, a weird thing i wanted to shout out uh, so we all are familiar with you know the modern literary classics. Uh, when you think of the literary classics, Nicholas, would you think of, of Kirby kind of just kind of being up there with with the rest of them? You know, Shakespeare and uh... I don't know why you wouldn't, honestly. I mean, he's pink. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Come on. that's, but... true. that's <laughs> he really all you a need. lot yeah. So, so, I did not know this, but apparently in Japan, well, we all know Kirby's very big in Japan. Uh, apparently, there's a whole series of Kirby uh, light novels in Japan. Um, I guess he he got one for Kirby and the Forgotten Land and some other stuff. But now they're making a whole uh, a whole book based on Kirby's Dream Buffet. <laughs> Which <laughs> how how would that work? <laughs> I don't understand.
2: <laughs> you, you don't understand the deep overarching plot of. Kirby grabbed a magic fork that shrunk him down so he can eat even more cake. I mean, the lore
0: is I there.
3: Mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the lore is there. So here's here's a, uh, a rough uh, synopsis based on a translation uh, courtesy of our friends over at Nintendo Life. So uh, <laughs> apparently there's a galactic witch who's created a mountain of snacks using a magical fork and the fork can grant wishes. So Kirby is trying to go get... Food and the fork, I suppose, and apparently Meta Knight and King DDD are involved. So, <laughs> I don't know what to make of all that. And if I could read Japanese, I'm sure I would pick it up, but I can't read Japanese, unfortunately. <laughs> it, looks,
1: it, looks, it looks fun. I, I, I don't know. I know that Kirby is very famous in, in Japan, it's very popular. But I wonder if those, those media related to Kirby is more directed to a young audience, like it's something more for kids and stuff like that. Because it it looks a yeah. little like it, right? It's a story for it's like a classic story for kids to 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 read before sleep or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a like novel, so I, I imagine one... it could
2: just be, or uh, kind of very early teens or a little bit older kids because it's not completely you know all pictures, but it still has quite a few illustrations. Right, right. I think it's a little bit lighter on content.
0: Yeah, I um. Uh, it, it's one of those interesting just regional differences where over in Japan Kirby is really like a multimedia superstar you know he's got he's n- not just games but books and restaurants and yeah, all and the there's Kirby the Kirby all the Kirby, cuff all the Kirby. Out. yes yeah. yes whereas out, over here he's just known for his games but um, <laughs> yeah I can't really imagine like buying a Kirby book I, but you know I'd Maybe if it was in English, I'd consider it <laughs> It could be a cool collector's item at the very least, but yeah, I saw some people saying like, "Oh, this would be a cool thing to have on my shelf even if I have no idea what it <laughs> what it's saying but um, yeah. yeah
2: really the t- the takeaway uh, from this is that Kirby needs to expand his multimedia empire across the entire world. I agree <laughs> I need yes, Kirby uh, vacuum cleaners <laughs> uh Kirby pillows. <laughs> Kirby pillows, you could probably get. I don't know. I about think they are cleaners, in Japan. But that like, would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, they have like those funny, like, sort of dome shaped things where you stick your head in them and you're like kind of covered by the dome so you don't see anything. And I'm pretty sure I've seen one that's just like Kirby's open mouth that you stick your head into.
0: Oh my god, I thought you were kidding about. Uh, <laughs> oh no, wait. Okay, I Googled Kirby vacuum cleaner and a lot of results came up, but apparently there's actually like a brand <laughs> called Kirby. Like, not like anything Kirby like, oh, okay. an actual I mean, cover. honestly, I that's very you know, ex- easy collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got very excited when I saw Kirby.com and it said Kirby's best vacuum cleaner, but it's not the Kirby that we all know and love, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do Do we know? Nintendo, do we know?
0: get on that. Do we you know
1: how much of Kirby is, is Nintendo and how much is Hall Laboratory? Like. Uh. Does HAL Laboratory Hmm. has any... It's similar to Game Freak with Pokemon that they can create all of that stuff without Nintendo saying anything.
2: I would assume Nintendo probably has more of a stake in Kirby just because we've never seen... Like, we've never seen a Kirby mobile game.
1: Right, right. That's what I was thinking. But
2: I don't know how much freedom HAL has over the character because we have seen some more unique things in terms of having, like, Kirby free-to-play titles on Switch and 3DS and just having a lot of, like... Smaller experimental things, so I imagine they probably mm. still have like a decent amount of independence as long as they stick to Nintendo properties. Because but then again, feels... you also have all the multimedia stuff. Yeah, which also it feels like they treat yeah.
1: they treat it a little bit different than how Nintendo treats their own IPs.
0: We mm-hmm. see That's more stuff
1: point. from Kirby. Yeah.
0: yeah, my my understanding, I could be wrong about this. But my understanding is that I think HAL Laboratories, I think they have the most control over the character. Because I remember I saw a story last year where they were trying to, like, HAL Laboratory was trying to shut down this, like, very, uh, I don't know how to say it, um, very interesting card game that featured... Uh, let's just say lewd uh, imagery of Kirby characters okay, okay. on it. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's just leave it at that. Uh, uh. Uh, but yeah, it was people, it was like on the internet <laughs> and people could go and buy it and how Laboratory shut it down. <laughs> so... Um, that leads Understandably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they would want that out there. Kirby is a child. Um, he's that was not deserve Yeah, nervous. exactly. That was a weird time. Yeah, this is a Jeez. moment I think we would all like to erase from our collective memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, on that note, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about some games. Um, so <clears throat> this is just kind of a weird bit of history uh, that is coming over to Switch. Uh, so those of you who were around in the N64 game might remember a 3D platformer called Glover where uh, you literally control a walking glove and you can like grab things. And <laughs> I mean, you're a glove. You look like the master hand from Super Smash Brothers. So, like, imagine <laughs> if that was the protagonist of a video game. And um, it's, uh, it, it got a re-release on Steam randomly like a year or two ago and uh, now it is coming to Switch and other consoles and it looks like it is in all of its chunky N64 glory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I I love seeing these weird kind of off-the-wall classics come to the Switch, because a lot of times they are things that are just not like on my radar at all. And I'm like, oh, here's a weird piece of history that I can now go check out, you know? just kind of beg the question of why this is even a thing, though. (laughs) Like,
2: I just, Dover is neat, it's, but it's still sort of a niche N64 platformer. It's one you hear of maybe in like the same kind of tone as like Gex, I guess, or those other like sort of older, those kinds of era of platformers, but it's not like a huge (laughs) re-release. I, so, just, I, so you're I saying motivated. calling it a
0: classic might be an overstatement. Like classic, <laughs> no. Would that be better? A uh, classic to some, I'm sure. The the
1: yeah. the the company that is publishing the game is QBytes, which is a Brazilian publisher. And from time to time, they try to. It's not the only classic game that they publish, but I think they they try to find these games that people don't remember that well but there's a specific niche that really remembers that game and it's like oh mm-hmm. i i i completely forgot that this thing existed but i played when i was a kid or something like that uh but to be honest looking at the trailer it doesn't look that bad to me it, it is at the level of <laughs> gex of of being a bad uh early pla- 3d platformer
0: so bad it's good
1: right <laughs> oh i see it looks neat it looks yeah. neat like you, you have this Glover I, I and you are, try like, controlling the ball it's a nice it's a, it's a nice idea but I don't know how it <laughs> actually works yeah.
2: yeah now that you oh, yeah. mentioned that though about bringing older games back it does bring to mind like um, what was it Taz the, Timan- the Tasmanian Tiger I think kind of also like an older uh, I guess it was PS1 era platformer that made it over right. recently
3: yeah. uh,
2: Cal the Kangaroo I don't know if it's as old but I know that, rec- that I remember released, that
0: like a, a while ago it was. Oh, recently. Yeah, that one got like a big. I think it was a. Was it a brand new game or was it like a remake? I'm not sure. Uh, it looked like a brand new game. It got new, new content. I know
2: that much. It also got like a ukulele costume DLC. I think uh, it was a little like bit of both. Week.
1: Yeah, it was like a gotcha, remake, but also gotcha. uh, with new content. Uh, I think in this generation, a lot of 3D platformers uh, are returning because they. Like uh, another example I was thinking of was the the SpongeBob 3D platformer, which yeah. was not so. Uh, it was on the PS2 and GameCube era, so it was a little more modern. But I still think that uh, nowadays people are a lot of people miss those kind of games, those 3D platforms. Nowadays mm-hmm. we basically have Mario, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's always fun to see those games coming back <laughs> in some way or another. I mean,
2: yeah. It does make sense when you consider that the people that were nostalgic for these old games are getting to be adults at this point. So it's, yeah. you know, it's part of the market that you can kind of lean into.
1: There's a niche. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never owned an N64 myself, but I do have a lot of memories of going over to my neighbor's house and playing some of the classics over there. Um, and, you know, playing some at Like I went to like a kid's club and played some games there. So I do have some nostalgia for that, that like era. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of, like, these weird, I guess you could call them hidden gems that just totally pass me by. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. Uh, no release mm-hmm. window on this one. Um, like I said, it is available now on Steam, but I assume, probably in the next year or so, we'll probably see the Switch yeah. version. Yeah, um, just, uh, just to throw a small shade at Nintendo,
1: but... To me, it doesn't make any sense that Glover will be uh, released right now and it will be full screen. But Mario 64 wasn't <laughs> full screen. As the Super Mario 3D All Stars mm. completely, completely unrelated. But I just wanted to I point
2: mean,
0: that. Yeah, 3D All Stars had yeah. a few problems. <laughs> they they did do quite a bit of work on this re-release. That was one of the things they were advertising with with the Steam release of this game. So. Um, yeah, yeah, it does seem like. Yeah, I do always like wonder like when we get these random standalone re-releases. I'm like, huh, this would have been a good fit for uh, the Switch Online expansion pack. You know, I'm yeah, sure, like any co- any extra content in there would have the <laughs> subscribers happy. But um, yeah, it seems like they Nintendo might Online cannot contain
2: Online yeah. can not contain the magnificence of widescreen Glover. <laughs>
0: well, well said, Nicholas. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, uh, a couple other games I want to highlight this week. Um, Thunderful Games. They are a, uh, a smaller indie publisher, and uh, they've been on a roll lately. They announced a couple games coming to Switch uh, just in the next month or so. Um, one of them was on my radar, uh, but um, two of them were not. And so I, I wanted to just highlight some of these because they all look really interesting in their own way. Uh, so we got three games here. The first one I want to highlight, I don't know how you say it. It looks like it's like... T- togs or yeah it's spelled t-o-g-g-e-s and uh it is a 3d puzzle platformer and the only way i really know how to describe it looking at this trailer is it looks like like a 3d take on box boy like you Mm. are controlling this protagonist right and you leave like a trail of cubes behind you that you can like stack up on top of each other and use to like navigate on top of things, create paths and things like that. Um, But it looks like you have like, just like an unlimited amount of (laughs) like cubes. So it's kind of different in that way. Um, It looks cool. It looks really unique. We see a lot of 3D platformers, but I haven't seen one that takes this kind of approach. Yeah, it looks super interesting, super colorful and all. The only thing is I'm not entirely
2: sure what's going on (laughs) because there is so much going on with the way that they're manipulating boxes and moving around. It seems super... Like, there's a lot of mechanics tied to this, even to the color of the boxes themselves as you're placing them. And I just... I am not entirely sure what you do in this game because everything... It just looks like there's so much to it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a little... uh... Like like Nick compared with BoxBoy, I think he has a little bit of focus on puzzles, maybe. For for those who are not seeing it, the main character is basically like one of those uh, automatic vacuums that go... It,
0: uh, it looks <laughs> it like, he looks like Beepo. He looks like Beepo yeah, from Mario Bros. yeah Rebels. Yeah, <laughs> so like so. a small <laughs> robot. So
1: it's it's really unorthodox. An, an it's, it's really different from your usual platformer. Uh, I don't quite get how it works, but it looks... The, the visual is really nice. It looks really yeah, fun. It's charming.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's got a really unique art style. They call it a, a stack-forming adventure, which I know that's just <laughs> PR speak, but it, but it looks unique. <laughs> it doesn't look like you can jump, so it looks like laying in the boxes as your main form of um, traversal. But um, but yeah, I think that looks cool. Um, I love the art style. I love the gameplay concept um i don't know if we're gonna get our hands on a review code for this one or anything but um it comes out december 7th so not too long to wait for that one um one other game uh one of the other games that thunderful announced this week um so this one i just i thought was cool um i don't know are you guys familiar with the zoink games um they're a uh, <clears throat> they're a smaller indie developer um some of their games that come to mind they they did like um Stick It to the Man. I don't know if you guys ever played that one. Um, I think they were involved in uh, one of those EA like originals game. I think it, they worked on like Fae. What was oh, the
3: it was called? Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I vaguely familiar. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they're not like a household name by any means, but they work on some interesting experimental games here and there. Um, and this one seems cool to me. This one is called Wavetail. And uh, they're calling it a, a story-driven action-adventure game which I know we have a lot of those. I think like on, at first glance, people might compare it. Oh, it looks like a, you know, just like Zelda-like or something like that. You know, action adventure stuff. But what's cool about this one, if you watch the trailer for it, um, you like kind of like, you're like skidding along like the surface of the water is like your main method of getting around. So there's a big emphasis on like, um, like sailing over waves, like with your feet and you can like launch yourself into the air it looks like and you're performing like this aerial parkour as you're like launching yourself around the map um the the traversal is what stands out to me in this game it looks amazing yeah i I haven't quite seen anything like this for a third person game like this yeah it gives huge pathless vibes to me (laughs) (laughs) oh there you go yeah that's a good comparison
3: yeah well at least for um, the movement
2: it does look like there's a bit more of an emphasis on uh combat and just kind of action adventure exploration
0: in general but yeah yeah, um, yeah, and I, I really liked the the enemy design. They they kind of they only show off a few of them in the trailer, but they're these things that are like like kind of walking through the water. They look like the big um, the tripods from like War of the Worlds, you know, just kind of like towering over <laughs> things. Um, I don't know, it looks super cool, and this just like came out of nowhere. Uh, maybe yeah. It sounds like it might have been out on PC for a while or was announced for PC, but they just announced it for consoles, and it comes out also in December, so I'm like, all right, well, cool. Yes, I will take this interesting <laughs> game that I did not know existed.
1: <laughs> uh, this is the game that I was I would expect to see in an indie world for Nintendo, probably. Yeah. Because it looks really interesting. Uh, to be honest, the visuals are amazing. The only, the only issue that I think this game would probably have is that it looks like the kind of game that the Switch will not run very well. Just because of the scale and how fast things happen, but of course, I still give the benefit of the doubt. It looks super interesting, and I'll definitely keep an eye on this.
0: Yeah, three D games are just—it is hard because there are plenty of like three D platformers, three D action adventure games that come to Switch and run fine. But for as many that come over with no problems, there's probably just as many that come over with some type of issue, frame rate or you know, significant blurriness or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, and usually and you just never know until you get your hands on it
1: yeah and usually indie developers don't have the budget to make a multi-platform game that runs all right in all platforms right so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i i will say like at least as far as i'm aware zoink games has a pretty good track record of putting out quality products i haven't i mean they may not be everyone's cup of tea necessarily but like at least from a technical perspective i don't think i've played a game from them that has been buggy or glitchy or anything so Hoping for the best with this one. That's a good um, sign.
1: That's a good sign.
0: Yeah. But we will find out uh, because that one is coming on December 12th. So also right around the corner at this point. Gosh, I keep forgetting it's almost November. Um, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Well, actually, it will be November by the time folks are listening to this. So happy November. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, All right. One more indie to shout out here, uh, also from Thunderful that they showed off this week. Uh, this one was shown off during gamescom and that was where it first caught my attention but we finally got a release date for it or a release window i should say it's coming in december so it's called sword ship and uh, the premise is you are controlling like an f0 style like racing hovercraft um, but you are not really racing you're actually being chased and attacked by um, these enemies that are just trying to like wipe out your ship and um, I think it's like, like a one-hit-kill kind of thing. So, the only way you can get through the levels is by trying to dodge everything, and you have to kind of um, use enemies' weapons against them. So, uh, like, if an enemy, it looks like, at least, I haven't played the game, but it looks like, what, like where some of the strategy comes in is like, oh, someone is aiming a shot at you, so you have to kind of line up with other enemies and then quickly get out of the way so they destroy each other, and um, it's, a really eye-catching game just looks immensely stylish and um i haven't really seen anything like it it looks like kind of a a shmup with
2: a very unique sort of premise
1: i would say like exactly that yeah. because you do
0: not shoot so. yeah it's like a reverse a reverse shoot up it's probably how they marketed <laughs> it at one point i wouldn't be surprised um but
1: uh, yeah. the the art style is also nice for like usually shooting ups are 2d games it's the the perspective that they give us is really different from anything that i've ever seen
0: yeah we're and also like you're like racing towards the camera you don't see a yeah. that. and um yeah i i feel like this is a game that is just gonna look absolutely gorgeous on the switch oled like just with all the colors <laughs> oh, and true. how everything is designed um I really want to play this one. This one is pretty high on my indie interest list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so those are uh, those are some some of the indies that were announced this week. There there are always this is where it gets hard. There are always indies I feel like being announced for the Switch like every single week and we literally could not talk about all of them if we tried, I don't think. Or maybe we could if it was like a three-hour podcast, but <laughs> I don't think I would listen to that. So, um, But yeah, every now and then I, just, I like to highlight some of these um, experimental games, especially when they just kind of come out of nowhere and surprise me. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, some of the recent releases. Um, so obviously the big one is Bayonetta 3. We are going to talk a little bit about that towards the end of the show because Nicholas has been playing it. Uh, so stick around for that, but there are some other smaller games that came out this week um, All kind of notable for for different reasons um, I'm gonna go a little bit out of order in the, in the list I have here um, This one came on my radar uh, Thanks to an article I saw so Ace Angler Fishing Spirits is a uh, it's a fishing game um, It's a I would say it, It's a franchise that's mostly known in Japan like we don't get a lot of these games released over here as far as I'm aware. Um, So this one is weird for a couple reasons. First of all, it's a fishing game, but it's it's mostly like fishing based mini games. So there's a lot of like different types of activities that are all like related to fishing, but they're all different types of mini games. Um, (laughs) And you can actually buy a a bundle that has like a fishing rod, like physical controller that like you slot your Joy-Con into. And you can, um, you can, like, reel it. <laughs> like, it has, like, an actual crank on it to, like, simulate the fishing experience.
1: That's
2: <laughs> very Wii. back to
0: the Wii era of... Yeah. <laughs> plastics
1: controller, yeah.
0: Yes, we all need more, uh, plastic controllers, uh, wasting away in bins in our living room. <laughs> I think we need to return. Right, if you
2: have the room in your house, <laughs> no, like, you know, there you go.
0: Yeah, um... Yeah, so this one actually has been out in Japan for a little while, I want to say. But yeah, it is out now on Switch. Um, But one of the reasons it was making the news this week is because the character design bears a very striking resemblance to the characters in Animal Crossing. Did you guys see (laughs) those?
1: It's really similar. (laughs) They are like a little Um, more chibi, a little more... uh, uh, Baby, I would say I don't know, but they are super similar. <laughs>
0: they are baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And there's even a um, there's even like one of the things they advertise in this game is like, there's like a museum that you can go and walk around it. Like there's like an aquarium you can go oh, walk around in with your little Animal Crossing ca- style character and go look at all the fish <laughs> you've caught. That also bears a very striking <laughs> striking resemblance to the one in uh, Animal Crossing. It's just weird. So weird
3: it's not know. a bad yeah. idea if you
0: want to kind of expand on the concept
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: just keep like a little I mean, bit more dude with way the fish to... you catch yeah i guess it's a good way the to get game, people's attention right like
1: the game looks actually uh with there's a lot of stuff in the game from what i'm seeing here like tons of mini games and different stuff like that uh it looks like something that you would find in arcades in japan it looks very very like a,
0: a japanese product or something it, it like is that. actually yeah. Oh, the, so they yeah, are That makes sense. In Japan <laughs> as well. Yeah. 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 So um, it's
1: like a compilation of a lot of mini games.
0: Yeah. Related to fishing. But it's also, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I, I mean, I guess fishing is cool, but I, I I'm not that <laughs> into it. Like, I don't know if I would. I, I can't imagine playing a serious fishing game for a long amount of time. But I guess I could see myself having some fun with something silly like this. Um, I
1: think that that's also something cu- cultural from from Japan, right? It's like fishing is. Every game, even adventure games like Zelda have fishing minigames, so it's something kinda of big there.
0: It, it is a it is trendy right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have a can't have a life sim or farming game without some fishing in it, it feels or like RPG.
3: <laughs> Sonic or Frontiers RPG. has yeah. fishing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I cannot wait to see what that actually looks like. Do you just like run around in a in a circle and just fish for pops up in the air Just like a tornado <laughs> at the top of the water and just fly
2: everything in the air? No,
1: it's just a minigame with Big the Cat. Uh, it's as you'd expect <laughs> from a fishing minigame. As,
0: as you'd expect. That's what Big yeah. the Cat is known for. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, yeah, so that's that's probably the weirder release of the week, um, but you love to see it. We've also got uh, Factorio, which... Uh, looks, frankly, just completely overwhelming <laughs> to me. Uh, <laughs> so this was shown off in a recent uh, Nintendo Direct. It might have been an Andy World. I'm not sure. Some yeah. form of Nintendo presentation. And uh, this game is very popular on Steam. Um, it. I don't know how to describe it other than you build a factory and the factory gets bigger and bigger. And the whole point of the game is to build a very large factory. Uh, and it just. I mean, I I can see how it looks fun, but I think I would be exhausted after about 30 minutes of playing this. I, yeah, I think it's
2: the type of game where people that love it, it's basically everything they've ever wanted out of a video game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do wonder how exactly it performs on Switch, just even in terms of controls, because it's very much... Uh, it very much seems like the type of game that you would want to play with a mouse. <laughs> Yeah. So, I don't yes. know how exactly that would work on Switch. Yeah. It has that,
1: I mean, the touchscreen
0: that... I see could be useful, but...
1: Oh, true, true, true. It has that Windows XP look from games of that era. Uh, but for, for those who love uh, man- management games like Roller Coaster, and there's the recent Jurassic World game also, I think it's kind of similar to that.
0: Yeah. Um like yeah like I would love to hear from someone factory builder
3: yeah, yeah. I mean and it also some... looks
0: like there's like some level of like um, like tower defense it almost looks like because it says yeah. in the description on Steam um, yeah. you there's need to protect it from bugs. creatures who quote don't really like you so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but yeah like I've seen actually some people play this game before and the factories can just get absolutely massive and I'm like how on earth Would you keep track of all this? It's Space Program
2: vibes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So yeah, that game is out now uh, for, I want to say, around $30 on Switch. So uh, if you're into that, go have fun and uh, tell me all about it. uh, Because I will not be playing this one. Um, This is kind of the uh, the indie darling of the week, I would say. It's been getting a little bit of buzz uh, over in the Xbox Game Pass world. Uh, It's called Signalis. And this is a uh, horror game with just a really unique presentation. It's one of those games that seems to kind of like shift perspective. Um, it's got like kind of a, a visual novel kind of vibe at some points. It's very cyberpunky. Um It's a hard one to pin down, honestly. Like, I, I feel like it's the kind of game that I'm going to have to play at some point to really understand because the trailers really do not give a lot away. Um, I know they're leaning into like the psychological horror and it's supposed to be like a very trippy experience Um, but yeah have you guys seen the trailer of this? like what do you guys make of something like this?
1: Uh, I'm watching it right now and I see some elements of games from the PS1 era like the early Resident Evils and stuff like that the visual is actually like simulating a PS1 game right? it's very similar but It has a top-down perspective, so honestly, it looks like, it it, from just seeing gameplay, it looks like a very uh, nice game, but because I'm not a big guy on on horror, so I don't know if I would be able to play this one, (laughs) but it looks like a game that I can actually play because the vision is top-down, so it's not that scary to play, but uh, it looks interesting, it looks interesting.
2: (laughs) Out of curiosity, yeah. just kind of off topic, you don't like first-person shooters and you don't like horror games. How would you feel <laughs> playing like, one of the first-person shooter Resident Evils or like, Alien Isolation?
1: Oh, I would never be able to play a game like that. <laughs> like yeah. One of the horror, reasons why wh- I don't like FPS is because I feel like my vision is limited because I don't know what's by my sides or behind me. And in a top-down <laughs> game like this, I feel like I have more control of what's around me, so it's less scary, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Mm,
0: Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Louise. I can, you know, I'm not like totally closed off to horror games, but when it's a first person horror game, that is oftentimes a little, (laughs) little too nerve wracking for me. Yeah. I can, I can usually do some of these third person games. Um, this one looks really good. I am very curious about it. I'll probably play it on game pass since I do have that subscription. Um, but I'd imagine it'd be really good on Switch. Has gotten very good reviews. It is overwhelmingly positive oh, on Steam Oh, nice. Right now, Interesting. So, um, so, yeah. I'm sure this will be right up some people's alley. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted to highlight that. And, uh, Louise, <laughs> if you didn't like like the, the <laughs> horror games, you, I can tell you for a fact you will not like this next one. Uh, Wari, Lost in the Dark. Uh, it's so, so cute, these games though. <laughs> oh, you think that these are some of the most terrifying? So I actually played—I played one of these games. Uh, these were big on the Vita. That was where the first game launched, and it was one of the first horror games I played on the Vita. And it is terrifying. I—I <laughs> I could not play more than a couple hours of it because wow. you're just being stalked by just these absolutely terrifying things. And I just— but do you disagree, the Nicholas? So cute. You... He—the character's so cute, though. <laughs>
1: I'm seeing here, like, there's the character and the small cats. Like, yeah,
0: it's so cute. It's so haunting? bad about this. It looks, it looks cute, but I swear to <laughs> God, go play this game and then come back to me and tell me you were not scared. Oh, God. And that it did not unnerve you at the very least.
3: Oh,
0: man. <laughs> man. Uh, but, yeah, there's a couple games in this series now. I think this is the third one. I could be wrong about that, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of turned into its its own thing. Um, these games are by uh, Nippon Ichi Software, and um, we don't see a lot from them. But this franchise seems to be doing well for them because this is it's a trilogy now. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean
1: the visual is I think it's really creative. It's really different. Uh, mm-hmm. I probably won't play because you said it that it is so. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary but oh my god now I saw a, a, a monster here okay probably I will not to play that
0: <laughs> you're like I'm checked out this is about oh my it's, god
1: there's like a, a crab a... with a face <laughs> <don't want> to...
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's really the sound design I think in this one that oh that I see i see like it's because yeah, like the the visuals themselves are not like relentlessly terrifying, but you you hear these monsters before you see them a lot of times, and you don't know where they're coming from, and they're just ugh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a it's, a, a, it's
1: an experience <laughs> made for a portable console, also right? So to play with headphones and stuff like that.
0: Yes, yes, I think very much so. Um, so I, yeah, i, it I really be a good like fit the, for the um, switch. I really like the
2: camera angle that they use uh it's something you see often in a horror game and i wonder how like how it takes advantage of that in that regards
0: yeah yeah um so yeah so those are those are some of the other games that came out this week um but i'm sure everyone wants to hear about bayonetta 3 so (laughs) let's switch over to what we have all been playing this week And uh, Nicholas, man, let's start with you. Um, So you've been playing Bayonetta 3, and I want to hear all about your experience so far. Spoiler free, of course, if you can.
2: (laughs) I I was going to, yeah, I was going to be playing more Final Fantasy 7, like I had mentioned last week. And then my pre-order from Bayonetta 3 got moved up, so... (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you you got it early? uh, No, I got it on Friday, but I was expecting to get it a little bit later. Um, Regardless, Mm. I am not complaining. The game is fantastic. It's a Bayonetta title. Um, which I think is kind of best defined as like it's stupid what happens but it's fun stupid
0: yeah it's like it's like the the kind of thing you know you're going in you know starting the game that okay I may not know what's going on I may not know who these characters are or what (laughs) what (laughs) they're trying to do but I'm gonna have a great time doing it I'm going to see like a pizza truck delivery driver
2: (laughs) going along a tsunami wave and kind of ramming into a bunch of enemies and that's okay that's just what happens in this game
1: i heard that this one goes even harder on the craziness compared to the first two ones
2: yeah yeah i can agree (laughs) with that um i just got through a segment of the game where i summoned a literal devil godzilla the game turned into like a 2d street fighter style game oh my god i Um, I fired a (laughs) gigantic laser beam through a huge anthropomorphic whale um it's probably one of the coolest things i've done in the video game (laughs) so wow it's fun it's a fun game that does Uh, sound
0: really good
1: question about the the kaiju mechanics which it's one of the big things of this game do you think it actually works fine or it is it is kind of clunky to control how does it feel
2: um, it takes a little bit of getting used to for sure, because your character is basically immobile the entire time, and the the demons are so big <laughs> that you have to figure out exactly how to maneuver them around. But once you get the hang of it, you start using targeting. Um, you upgrade some of the moves so you have a little bit more, a few more options available. It actually feels pretty good. Mm. You start learning the situations in which you would want to use uh, the demons as opposed to just like regularly attacking since they're usually going to be able to stagger enemies more easily. So on some of the bigger enemies, you'll kind of use that during openings. The game also does a very good job of kind of... Um, at a certain point, you unlock abilities that tie them into the combat a little bit more naturally. So rather than, like, executing a witch time dodge, you if you have good timing, you can trigger, like, the, demoning summon, the demon summoning button instead, and that will summon one of the giant demons that will counterattack instead.
3: Right. Um,
2: and similarly to I think some of the stuff in Banah too, at the very end of combos, if you have a uh, good timing, you can trigger the Demon Summoning button, and it will automatically follow up on the end of your combo attack with a hit from the demon. So it starts getting kind of integrated into into the normal flow of gameplay. It actually feels really fun.
3: Cool, cool, cool. No, that's nice. great to
0: hear because it feels like it's one of those things that like no one really asked for, and so people were kind of skeptical when they announced it, but. Yeah, Um, it it is certainly a little bit of a gimmick, but it's well integrated, so. No, that's good to hear. Um, Yeah, and one of the things I've heard about this game from people who have played it is that there's so much depth to the combat that if you really want to sink your teeth into it, you're probably going to end up wanting to play this one a couple times because there's just so many mechanics and, and that, like, if you really want to see everything the game has to offer... I mean, are you kind of tracking with that thought process or do you feel like this is going to be a one and done for you?
2: Um, it's always a little bit complicated because I think that kind of perspective of if you really get into the game, you will want to do several playthroughs is kind of applicable to most of Platinum's games in terms of like Bayo 1, Bayo 2, Astral right. Chain. Um, and I never spent too much time after with those games just because I was kind of fulfilled by why, what I had initially done. Um, I might Uh spend more time with Bayonetta 3, just because I think I'll have some free time after I finish the game, and also, it is very fun. Um, but yeah, pretty much whatever you would expect in terms of having a lot of mechanical depth to combat and the combo systems and whatnot, it all applies. It's just as good as the previous Bayonetta games, it improves it in some respects. Like, it's great. (laughs) Uh,
1: did you, because, just another question, uh... (laughs) I saw the analysis that Digital Foundry made of the game, and apparently the FPS is all over the place. Like, it, it rarely goes to 6 FPS all the time. But I also heard from people who played that they didn't notice that. Like, if mm-hmm. I hadn't told them that the game is not running at 6 FPS, they they wouldn't be able to tell. What were your, your take on that? Do you think he managed to get on the gameplay, or it is almost uh, hard to, to realize what is going on? So...
2: I think this is probably going to depend a lot on the specific person. If you're
1: very sensitive to
2: changes in frame rate, you will probably notice it and it will impact how much you enjoy the game. Uh, personally, I really didn't. There's definitely some points where you can tell, like, oh, this is running at 30 frames per second. Like, I think some the cutscenes run at 30 as opposed to right, aiming right. for 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely some drops in the game, certain things where a lot is happening or whatnot. But a lot of the time, I just don't... I haven't encountered a situation where it has negatively impacted what I'm trying to do, right? Like, right, if there's a situation right. in a very intense firefight where I can't get off a time, a dodge with proper timing because there's lag, that would be a problem, but I haven't had that issue yet. Most of the times that there have been drops, it's been, like, when I've done a combo finisher, right? And this is kind of similar, I guess, to the... Um, the Musou games, where on Switch they have a lot of frame drops for some of them, but if the frame drops Uh are happening at at the end of, like, your big super move, where you don't really have control over the character anyways, and enemies are getting blasted away, it's not going to directly impact what you're doing, right? You're still going to have your full, um, like, you're going to be able to react just as fast, because it's not like anything's going to be attacking you at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I, 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 also, I think it's also kind of funny. I feel like uh, all those Switch gamers who like these really action-heavy games, you know, like we, we do have to deal with these frame rate drops sometimes, <laughs> but I wonder if that just makes us better at these types of games because we're like, it's just another obstacle <laughs> to overcome, right? It's, it's yeah. part of the
1: experience.
3: If you want to think of it yeah, that it feels way, it's different. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, we can predict cool. what is going on.
1: Uh, cool. just, yes, just a final yes. question for Nicholas about the game. Uh, we had all the controversy with the, the the dub, with Elena Taylor and Jennifer Hale. Oh, uh, yeah. did, you, did you got used to the voice of Jennifer Hale? Do you think she did a good job? How was your feeling while seeing all right. the scenes in the game?
2: Uh, I'm probably not a great person to ask because I didn't even notice initially that the voice actor for Bayonetta was different when the trailer originally right. came wow. out. <laughs> um, but I That's mean, <laughs> I guess yeah. in that regard, yeah, I think... Uh, Jennifer Hale did a great job. There's really nothing wrong with her Bayonetta voice. It feels just as natural as the voice felt in all of the other games.
1: It's a similar take, um, right? Yeah, it feels very similar.
2: It doesn't feel like there's really much missing in terms of the tone or delivery. Uh, And I have encountered one alternate universe Bayonetta at this point. Uh, And the voice acting is slightly different for them in terms of just the tone, which is, you know, to be expected. Right. Uh, And that, you know, It's
0: nice, it's well done. I enjoy it.
1: Cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. It it is worth noting that, like, the whole controversy with Helena Taylor is still ongoing, but we're not really going to talk about it too much more on this show because, again, unless something major happens, it's just kind of been the case where she wasn't telling the whole truth. You know, she's kind of had to backpedal on some things, and it's Mm -hmm. just not... I, I think at this point, everyone would rather, you know, like, okay, she made her point, you know, kind of, <laughs> let's just focus on the game. At this yeah, point. we should move on yeah. from yeah. all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, it, did really fun, though. yeah, yeah. it did get some conversations Yeah, some important conversations. It did get some conversations started around the voice acting in the industry, which I think is good. But yeah, overall, it just seemed like drama that didn't really need to happen. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do, That's what yeah, I think I do about just want to mention
2: inter- like, addition- a, few, a couple of little small things in the- for Bayonetta. Um, they've sure. kind of replaced the usual... Uh, in other games, you would buy special moves and you would buy new weapons and stuff, and they just kind of overhauled the whole currency mechanic, I guess. In this game, where you now have skill trees for all your different weapons and your demons that you upgrade, which mm. ends up feeling a lot more natural and it feels. Oh, I really prefer uh, that. I never
1: liked the idea of buying. Love a good skill tree. Yeah. yeah. It
2: it really is fun, just kind of looking at all the tools you can potentially unlock, and that's done through a separate kind of currency from, like, your main purchasing currency uh, that you kind of um, you kind of obtain at the same time because you get it from defeating enemies. Right. It's just very... It feels very fun. Uh, most of the weapon unlocks are done through story, at least they have been at, um, so far. So you don't have to worry too much about uh, saving up money for them, which you may or may not like. Personally, I think it's fine as it is. And I really Perfect. enjoyed the exploration in the game so far uh the areas are a bit more open than they've been in previous games you have some really fun tools for traversing the areas because the demon masquerade forms which are like the sort of half demon forms internet can take on um uh, give you some really neat movement options in terms of having like a super aerial dash or being able to swing between buildings and stuff it all ends up making for a pretty dynamic world in terms of how you can explore the secrets that are laid about um it's all just very fun. It feels like an improvement over the
0: previous games in that regard.
1: Man, sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. No, I, I love hearing that. I'm, I'm really glad that the game turned out well. And um, looking forward to playing it at some point. I don't know when, <laughs> but at some point. <laughs> Same here. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Luis? What have, what have you been playing lately?
1: So, yeah, because basically I, I was off for two weeks. So, actually, a lot of stuff happens first. Uh, my Switch OLED arrived, so I finally ooh, have a Switch ooh, OLED. Nice. Uh, it was it was officially released in Brazil in Brazil this month, so I actually got to buy day one, and I was just waiting to arrive home. And man, the the the, the screen really makes a big difference. I think I think I'm playing more portable than on the TV uh, right <laughs> now, because not only because it is way brighter and the colors are popping up but because the screen is actually bigger right uh, mm-hmm. he occupies a bigger part of the, the actual console so you really feel that different I was still playing the the GTA trilogy as I said last, last uh, two weeks ago uh, I was playing the yeah. Vice City and I just finished the game and it was a blast to play on portable modes I think it was the perfect game to play on portable modes and Vice City is probably the, the GTA that has more colors so <laughs> it actually looks really nice on the console um apart from that the console is also beautiful the the whites the the white colors and all of that i i i i, I got the the whites model um uh, but yeah beyond that, it looks yeah. yeah it looks really nice but beyond that uh the game that i'm actually playing right now i just bought last week on steam it was on a uh, on sale, the Spider-Man remastered. Oh. Uh, I don't oh. have any. I don't have any Sony console, so my PC is my PlayStation. Basically, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the game to release. And that was a game that I was waiting for a long time to to play. Uh, I played just the beginning of the game, but man, it is like fantastic. The controls. I, I always looking at people playing. It always looked uh, amazing. The the movements, the animations. But I, I always got the impression, man, that it, it must be really hard to control Spider-Man swinging with the buildings. But it's so easy. It's super, super natural. It feels like really great to control. Uh, and the combat is also amazing. It feels like an evolution from the Batman Arkham series. But I think with Spider-Man, it's even, it's even better because he is more agile. So you feel right. like you're actually right. punching an enemy, then going to the other and stuff like that. It feels really dynamic. Uh, so far, I'm loving the game. Uh playing it it's almost every day
0: <laughs> no that's that's great to hear because yeah i i don't know if you were on this episode but i was talking about how i was playing through miles morales like the the kind of yeah yeah sequel to that game and um and yeah like as far as what you're talking about like with the combat i mean the animation is i think really pulling a lot of work there because true it, true it makes it look it makes it look and i guess that's how a superhero game should be right you want it to like look impressive and look you know, yeah <laughs> mind blowing and advanced. But you don't want to scare away players from enjoying it. So I think just the animation in that game is really what makes that possible. And it it's not a huge stretch, I feel like, mechanically, from the pacing of like some of these faster like Bayonetta or like a Devil May Cry. Like you are really <laughs> yeah. zipping around and and it's very skill based. I mean, you can just like button mash your way through it if you want, but once you get into like using all of its tools and and Really leveraging like all your abilities, like launching enemies up into the air, and you know, like there's a lot of depth to it. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I was it...
1: actually, I, I was actually dying a lot <laughs> at the beginning, but it was <laughs> mostly because uh, I'm playing with the Xbox controller. So every time that the game say press X, I was pressing the X of the Switch controller, oh, yeah. and when uh-huh. it press Y, I was pressing the Y of the Switch controller. So it, it got a little time to get used to the control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. um No, cool. I'm glad you're enjoying that, and I'm I'm glad you got your Switch OLED. I I think that was one of those things that I um when I was when I was I traded in my my original Switch to get one, and I was like, you know, I, it'll probably be a good upgrade, but it really does just change the whole experience. Yeah, with that screen, and I think the build quality is a little bit better. Like it feels sturdier in the hands
1: yeah um, yeah it, it yeah. feels more like a like a product a little more modern than the the switch it has less plastic the screen yeah mm-hmm.
0: right still Which, waiting I mean, for at that time i thought the switch was amazing like the launch yeah switch, same I, same I was, same same to buy compared to the wii u <laughs> right right yeah it was a huge generational leap yeah
2: I'm still waiting for that uh, inevitable tears of the kingdom oled to be announced before oh, dive yeah that, yeah, that, that, that
0: would that's be... a nice uh, yeah the Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, as, as far as myself, this has not been a huge like gaming week for me. Um, (laughs) I am still working through Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. I think I'm about 40 hours in now and I'm, wow. (laughs) there's still more to do in the game. Like I've been trying to, uh, just generally the way I play games is like when I get into like a new area or a new environment, I try and like be pretty thorough in that area and like seeing what it has to do as long as I'm enjoying myself cause I don't really like backtracking a ton in most games. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to just like knock out what I can on each planet and it's just, <laughs> the planets just get bigger and more complex as you get through the game. And like the one I'm on most recently, it's kind of like a, like a garden themed planet. And It doesn't look that big at first but then you realize like, oh, there's all these floating islands that connect and you have to figure out how to connect them. And most of like the story beats are connected. So it, it's just, there's a lot. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to have to, I, I'm, in theory, I'm reviewing this game, but <laughs> I haven't beat it yet. But honestly, I think at this point, I mean, I've sunk so much time into the game. That I'm just, I'm going to start on the review because um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really good game. And I think it's probably going to take me another another 15 20 hours to get to the end of it and i gotta get this (laughs) review out so Um, so yeah i'm sure i'll still be picking at that game for the next month or so but we'll see wow
1: that that that, that's awesome to hear Uh, everything that i heard about this game is like a completely upgrade from the the last one which was already a nice game and the only reason why I didn't buy this one yet is because I know that Ubisoft will <laughs> reduce the price eventually. So I'm just waiting a little bit to, to not pay the full price. And because there's a lot of other games releasing right now, so I'm not in a hurry. But it yes. looks it looks yes. fantastic. Just a question that I want to ask you. Are you enjoying the, the sure. story of the game, the cutscenes? I'm sure it's not the main focus, but it is like, do you think it is a little more epic or a little more serious than the last one?
0: Um, I would not use the word serious in any Yeah, way. I don't think. It's yeah, very... Serious,
1: maybe not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> With the rabbits. It's a very... <laughs> yeah, there's nothing serious about the rabbits. Uh, it's a... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It's a very... Um, it's a very silly game. I will say the cutscenes are really well animated and really do create the sense that you're going on this epic adventure um, right. their voice acting is hilarious in my opinion sometimes I think Beepo he gets a little grating I think he talks a little bit too much for my liking <laughs> but um, all the rabid characters they all have their own unique voices and they'll usually their lines aren't usually like fully voiced but like you know they'll like say like the first couple words and the delivery is just impeccable so it, it's, <laughs> it's really funny one of my favorite characters in the game uh, he's like a side quest character that pops up on each planet. His name is Professor Backpack, and he's <laughs> he's a uh, a small rabbit with a giant backpack that he just like lays on. And he's like a he, Indiana Jones style character, and voice acting just cracks me up every single time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I would say the story is not the focus of this game. Like the prologue kind of sets up some like big implications and like you're you're kind of actually it's kind of a similar plot to like super mario galaxy in that you're trying to get to the center of the galaxy to save someone um right but yeah the story is not like the main focus each planet kind of has its own like sub story that like you are clearing mm-hmm. as you're trying to get to the center of the galaxy it's so i'd say it's more character based than like plot based i would imagine the say
1: the vibe should uh similar to something like a morning cartoon write something to that <laughs> note.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to put it. It's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea. Someone, someone I read one review that was like, oh the story's confusing. I don't really think it's confusing. I just think it's <laughs> not the focus.
2: Um, why do the why do but... the bunny people talk? This doesn't
0: make sense. <laughs>
3: Very yeah. confusing. Yeah
0: pretty much um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm um yeah I'm glad I had the chance to play this one. I'm really curious what their DLC will look like because there's a whole season pass planned, and obviously we know we're getting like a Rayman expansion, but there's some other stuff coming before that. The Rayman expansion is actually the last thing coming out, so um, yeah, I'll probably revisit it some more once we see what that looks like. But um, but yeah, it's also a very big game, like I said. So. Uh, as much fun as I'm having with it, I'm also kind of ready to. I think at this point I'm going to start making more of a beeline towards the end of the game because it's a lot of tactics. <laughs> it's, it is very exciting and yet scary
2: to hear that the game is that long because I'm going to have to reassess how much time I will inevitably spend
0: with it. So right, and like to be clear, like you don't have to do all the side content, but. When you're like, making your way to the main objectives, you'll see all these like things around you that like, just look interesting. Like, oh, like, I know my next objective is like that way, but that, like, like, there's a big secret door and I wonder if I can get through there or <laughs> I wonder where that pipe will take me or you know what's over on that corner of the map that I can see in the distance. Can I get over there or am I gonna have to come back later once I have some more abilities? Um, so it's a game that like, you want to explore and you want to do things, which I think is really telling. It doesn't feel like you're just, like, checking things off a box for the sake of it, which can happen in a lot of Ubisoft big open world games. Um, It feels all very, like, everything feels high quality, and I think that's why I'm spending so much time with it. Awesome. But, yeah, uh, that is our show for the week. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to episode 30 of Nintendo Everything Refresh. We are so glad to have all of our lovely listeners um and thank you for supporting us we are on every streaming platform well maybe not all of them but most of the big ones spotify audible google podcasts apple Podcasts. you name it Uh, we've also got a video version on youtube or on spotify so if that's your jam go check those out if you're not doing that already and uh yeah thank you as always we will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of nintendo see you guys later